Hello and welcome to Football Masterminds. I'm Declan DeBarp, and today I'm joined by two people who have been eating, breathing, and living the Euros so far. I'm joined by Mr. John Townsend, who is uh, just, I can't believe he's sitting still. He was shaking before. It's coming home. Can't believe it, but it may be, it may be coming home. It, it, knows, it knows the address it should be delivered to. <laughs> and Victor Ono, who I'm sure is the one who's sending that package. Yes, I am. I'm the mailman delivering the package because it is coming home. Come on, England. <laughs> and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. I think that I differ in my opinions between the two of you, whether I'm biased or not, um, shall be seen. But let's start with uh, Maya Zuri. Uh, you know, this one was a tight affair. I think it was a 50-50 either way. This wasn't the game that I think a lot of people were expecting it to be in terms of quality, but definitely one to be remembered. Italy win the game 4-2 on penalties, tied 1-1 after 120 minutes. Now, a lot of the conversation going into coming out of the game was that Italy looked off of it and you know, John, why do you think that Italy wasn't really there today? Probably a few a few errors early on from uh, from the uh, Italy's backline, Chiellini and Bonucci, um, as well as Donnarumma. He's looked really sharp this entire tournament, except for the last game. A couple of mis- misplaced kicks. Unai Simone had a few howlers that game, um, but Donnarumma didn't fare much better. So I think just a little shaky at the starts really made Italy struggle moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you. you. You even saw it on the Morata goal. It was just Chiellini and Benucci got caught standing still, and then it's through, and Donnarumma doesn't even seem to make an attempt to make a save. He dives the wrong way, gets sold a dream, and Morata, it's easy as that. But I don't know. I, I think that a lot of the conversation going into coming out, as I said, was that Italy didn't have a good game, but I, I just don't see that being the case. I thought Italy had a plan and they executed it. Watching back at the highlights, you know, it looked like they faded um, in the back half of the game. And I would put that down to Mancini's substitutions. But I think that Italy knew what they wanted to do. And that was to stymie Spain. Well, I, I would say, from my, from my view, Spain had the better game of, of the two. Yes, Spain ended up losing on penalties. And that's been their issue, penalties. That's, that's their boogeyman, much like England. But... They Spain Spain had had a much better game. They they actually did not start Morata for the first time in this uh, in this tournament, which was kind of stunned me. And didn't even start Moreno too. Started with with, with uh, Oyazabel at uh, as a false nine, um, which worked out really well for them until they panicked and subbed on Morata with uh, with thirty minutes to go, which yes worked out for them with the goal. But whenever Morata has a good game, he has a bad game. It's he's a weird player like that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, out of, out of the two, Italy at the end looked incredibly tired too, as as you said, with the with the aging backline and an aging squad overall. I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe that was playing into it. As the tournament goes on, they them their fatigue really starts to set in. Um, but Spain on the day, Pedri he Pedri was incredible. He he um, uh, finished. I think he made 99% of his passes or something like that. 62 out of 64 of his passes were completed. And at 18 years of old, he is one of the best. He's one of the best passes of the the ball in this tournament, maybe the world. It's incredible. Yeah, I I think he'll be a player that 
you know, we've seen for years to come. And I think Spain have a lot of those players. Denny Olmo had him, had himself a great game as well and caused all kinds of problems. We talked about pace and I'm sure that we'll, we'll come on to that a little bit later when we, when we set up the, uh, the next game for you, the final, but you know, I think that, I think that a lot of this has been kind of overblown if I if I'm being frank I think Italy had a game plan and that was to sit deep play a style they haven't really played uh, the Italy of old and it didn't work on one or two occasions but I think you saw that Spain in transition were much more dangerous than Spain sitting back I I recall the one the one really good chance that Danny Omo had where the ball was just hoofed to him I think it was by um as Bilaqueta, it was just a ball to nowhere and almost takes it down and causes all kinds of problems resulting in a Benucci yellow card. But I think that you saw that Mancini really knew what he wanted his Italy side to do, which was sit back, defend and look to hit on the counter. And if two or three of the, the balls that they play to Berardi, um, Insigne and Chiro aren't offside, those are goals. It's, it's, it's as easy as that. And I think that it was Italy's, there was a lack of connection between the defense and the offense there with Italy because they were just overrun in midfield. You saw it with the changes that Mancini was making, but I don't think Italy had, had as bad as game as people really, really cut it out to be. I just think that there was no link and, you know, that might be due to Spinazzola being out because he tore his Achilles in the last game. What a, what a just freak accident that was, but I don't know. I, 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 I'm still very confident about this Italy team going into the next game. Uh, but I think that you're right that Pedri was huge in that game and bringing on Morata while it worked out, it, it all, it ultimately was their, was their undoing in the penalties as well. I thought the night Spain played a better game by a mile. The, I think what, what, what it came down to was the change of system to a false night was brilliant by Enrique, in my opinion. I think that caught off um, Bonucci and Chiellini caught off the whole Italian team off guard the fact that I didn't actually have a striker in the game and how fluid the front three moved actually showed and caused problems and I just panned how the game went for the whole for the whole basically 120 minutes and the thing is Italians quickly realized that they're going to play on the counter-attack which is where the efficiency efficiency came in so they realized that okay they're going to have most of the possession we have to sit back and break and that's what Mancini has still kept with this Italian team they still have that efficiency going forward that every time they go on the attack is with, with a purpose to score so that was the threat the whole game there were moments yeah that where the the movement of Spain just tore apart the defense that was what they were they were able to deal with the Donnarumma who like he said, was has been good all tournament, and it just everything just panned out in the in the heat of the game. I think Italians will be fine. They just played and showed that they were just a more composed, mature team on the night. They sat, sat in, stuck in there. I don't really think the miss Spinazzola is a big miss, but Emerson didn't play too bad. I think he offered the outlet when he was actually allowed to move forward. He had that one chance that was probably off the bar, the one overlap that he had from his senior on the break. So I think um, on the night, Spain, they played a better football, a different, better touch. Pedri was fantastic. Like you said, misplaced two passes. That was unbelievable. I actually didn't expect him to be that good. So he actually really did surprise me. Um, yeah, and on a different night, Spain probably could have won. But I think the Italians, like you said, had a game plan. 
even if it changed and looked different as the game went on, they had the game, my opinion, under control the whole the whole way. I think that Emerson did a good enough job to warrant himself getting into the next game. But uh, in my opinion, Spinozola has been the player of the tournament. I, I think that he is integral to the way that it, that Italy tick, allowing Insigne to drop inside that, that creates space for both Chiro and Spinazzola on the overlap. And those two combine. And then you have Berardi at the back post ca- causing all kinds of problems. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's a tough question for Mancini. I would go with, with uh, Emerson for the dis- defensive stability, but um, I think it's tough. I don't think there's really a good replacement to a player like Spinazzola um, in this tournament. But, you know, going forward, all in all, you know, Spain got a lot of a lot of criticism this tournament. But John, how do you see them going forward into future tournaments? I think that there's a lot of promise here. There's definitely a, a lot of promise. They need to figure out the attacking formation um, because they just weren't able to create enough high quality chances uh, throughout the tournament, not just in the in the Italy game. I think they might have stumbled upon it in the last game by playing that false nine. Something I might have suggested in the first episode we did um even playing Danny almost something else, something else I suggested the first episode we did um but w- they just need to find who is that false nine wh- whether it, it is o- Oyazabel or Omo or Torres they need to figure out who it is but after that I think they'll be fine yes Unai Simone had uh, as, as I was texting Declan yesterday he is he is the new Jordan Pickford for heart attacks caused during a match for for fans watching um but hopefully he settles down in uh, in years to come but yeah once they figure out the the striking options and which formation they want to play i don't know if they're going to be firing enrique i wouldn't imagine they would just because they did make it to the semifinals and it is a rebuilding spanish squad um still from the golden era that they uh, that they're coming out of um, but moving forward, the future is very bright for Spain. You're right. Uh, the terms of attacking options, I still wouldn't want to like rule out Morata. I think, think this tournament is going to make him a better player for it. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next tournament for Spain, he is firing the goals that they actually need in the tournament. So, yeah. If Enrique is still the manager, he's definitely in the starting lineup. <laughs> for sure. A hundred percent. But uh, why don't we... Cast our eyes forward to the game that just happened today. It finished up England to Denmark won in extra time. As John said, he thinks it's coming home. Signed, sealed, delivered. I, I'm not too convinced, but we'll, we'll get on to that. But England conceded their first goal of the tournament, which in itself is outstanding. That they've only conceded one goal so far. Does that help them going into this final where, you know, they, they don't expect this Italy squad to be it? to be a pushover. They expect them to attack them and they expect them to come after them. Um, with England, for, uh, first of all, coming into the tournament, if you had a set that they would have went, what, five, six matches without conceding a goal, that I would have <laughs> been stunned because England's never really been known for having a rock-solid defense and at all. By, by giving up the first goal in the tournament to a, to a Denmark side where they can afford to be a little bit shell-shocked, to panic a, lo- a little bit, and, you know, not have the match completely go one-sided. They all of a sudden go three goals down and it's over. I'm wondering if that was a better scenario than going to the finals, still having haven't uh, conceded, conceded a goal, and then they give up a goal to Italy 20 minutes in. That, if, if it 
that was what's going to happen, I would really worry that this England squad could all of a sudden panic, let in another goal. For the goal that they that they gave up with the power that strike had, that was a fast free kick. I'm okay with giving a Pickford a little bit of a pass, especially after he had that he had that save against Muller in the Germany game. Because if you if you pull out a save like that, I'm fine giving you one of these. But as as long as England didn't give up another one in the game, which I didn't. I was uh, I was I was happy. Except Pickford also had a few other um, d- d- distribution errors in the first half. One when he was throwing it to nobody, and <laughs> I got picked off. And another one where he's, where he's uh, just lob past it to uh, in the midfield to no man's land. Yeah, um, which he's still prone to. On. He's been. It seems like he's been prone to these mistakes, hasn't he, Victor? Yeah, Pickford. Pickford has his alter ego. He has. You have Pickford, prime Pickford, and you have clown Pickford. Clown Pickford has been managed to be kept out long enough in this tournament. Now we saw flashes of what Clown Pickford could do. In my opinion, I mean, I, I don't want to be harsh on goalkeeper, but I feel if a goalkeeper touches the ball, he should save it. I think I don't think Pickford underestimated how hard the ball was going to be hit, so he probably didn't know it was going to be hit that quick. But still, I think that that was simply a goalkeeping error, and it showed how an unsettled goalkeeper can cause the whole team to panic because when Pickford kept on misplacing those passes, the whole defense seemed confused. And apart from Kyle Walker, I think at that point, everyone was just everywhere. Declan Rouse was everywhere. Phillips was everywhere. Maguire, everyone was everywhere just because the goalkeeper wasn't composed. And I think if England want to have a great chance, Pickford has to be one of the better players on the field rather than him being the reason why they concede or give away goals. You mentioned Kyle Walker, and for me, he was the man of the match, and he might even be the man of the tournament for the England squad. That is a bit of a shout because Sterling's had a wonderful tournament. Kane took quite a bit, quite a bit to uh, show up, but when he showed up in the past uh, two, three games, he's been he's been very good. But Kyle Walker is so crucial to this defense because when something inevitably screws up in front of them. He's always the person back chasing down Dolberg or chasing down Muller. I'm pretty sure he was uh, putting Muller under pressure in that Germany game. He, his pace is such an asset to this team where he's almost playing like a fullback and rug. Just as soon as somebody gets past the line, he's taking him down no matter what. Walker has just been incredible. And also before the season, before the year tournament, I was thinking, okay, this is, this is Walker's last tournament as a right back. Uh, make, make him in at, at center back, but that's a, that's, uh, another topic, but this is his last one at, at right back. Next one's going to be at Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, I'm now looking at this going, I don't know with how well Walker's playing. He's He could be signing right back for England uh, next World Cup. He's sensational and his recovery speed was was crucial. How many times had did he get back when there was a Denmark player in behind the lines? I think that he was so crucial for the game ending 2-1. Denmark could have had three or four more chances if it wasn't for his pace. He almost reminds me of kind of the work that Alfonso Davies was doing at Bayern Munich um, last season where, you know, Hansi Flick likes to play that high line and the pace of Alfonso Davies being the fastest player on the pitch, regardless of who else is out there, allows them to take more risks. And I think that Kyle Walker plays a similar role and that seems kind of weird comparing uh an elder statesman and Kyle Walker to a, a fresh kid and Alfonso Davies. But I think you're right, John. I think that the way that Kyle Walker has been utilized in this tournament kind of as an old school sweeper, if, if you will, he 
cleans up all of the danger behind him was was so crucial. However, the way Walker plays is he doesn't move forward all that much. As you compare, compare to Davies, he's definitely comparable for speed, but Davies pushes up always. He's always uh, pushing up as far as he can to swing across and then sprinting back. And then Alaba, who's playing center back, fills in for him on the wing when he does so. So if you, if they want to do that similar type of thing, but instead having Alexander and Arnold, the one pushing up, and then Walker filling in at, at wing back, if something breaks down and they need to all of a sudden get back defensively, sure. Um, but it's all going to depend on uh, on personnel. Um, like next World Cup, I'm sure Sancho is going to be knocking on the door to get in, hopefully. Um, yeah, especially because uh, he's a Man United player now. But before we return to some England talk and previewing the next game, I do want to touch on Denmark here. You know, they were really the Cinderella story. It was written after the horrible scenes that uh, we saw in their first game, you know, with with Christian Eriksen. It's glad that it worked out. He's he's recovering now and he will be at the finals. Unfortunately, Denmark uh, won't be playing, but. They, I think they were everybody's second team in this tournament. It was such a good story, so much, so much cohesion. And you know, when Damsgaard scores, scores the goal to put them one ahead, you almost feel like it's inevitable. It's happening. It's ninety-two. This this team is just, it's just full of stories. But uh, unfortunately, it couldn't happen. But that wasn't due to Kasper Schmeichel, who might be one of the best goalies in world football at the moment. Just incredible how he played today, and he kept them in it for sure. Well, when Damsgaard scored that goal, my PS, my, my PS, uh, PTSD was definitely telling me that, that it's happening. <laughs> I was an absolute wreck during that game. Um, but yeah, uh, Dolberg is incredible. Um, Castle Michael as well. I'm a little surprised that Paulson didn't start along with Dolberg as a as a fun two for for that Danish side. Having two great strikers like that. Yeah, I think it. I think it's peculiar. I, I, I personally would have started with a front two, but Casper Dolberg. I have an undying love for this man. I found him in Football Manager 2017. He was a star for me, and uh, I've been in love with him ever since. This tournament was was a vindication. I think that you know he gave a fantastic account for himself, and I don't think Denmark get anywhere near as far um, as they do without him. Wouldn't you agree, Victor? Hundred percent, hundred percent. He's he's been a wonder kid after his season for Nice. In my list of goal scorers, I actually didn't expect him to do as well as he did. The technique, his hold up play, his his runs. He's he's literally the modern day striker. And I wouldn't be surp- surprised if in the future, like big teams, go for him because he's a top top player. They they did everything that they could be asked for. But turning our our eyes forward to the final on Sunday, Italy versus England. Now I have a question for both of you. What do you think Italy do in this game? Hopefully lose. That's what I'd say for Italy. (laughs) Um, I'm really scared of them scoring in the, in the first 20 minutes, them just going all out on the attack and putting, putting one past Pickford and just silencing all of Wembley stadium. I think Southgate's tapped in to, to English culture and to to the England psyche of getting behind this team no matter what. England doesn't seem to fear opposition as they as they have in the past. I think it's both self-belief and also there's a cohesion to the squad that there hasn't been in years past. If you if you go back and look at the quote unquote golden generation England had in the uh, in the mid 2000s, it seemed like 
an absolute um, prison camp just to be in it, just to be in that where every single here's the Manchester United table. Well, the Manchester United players at eight. Here's where all the Chelsea players eight. Here's where all the Arsenal players eight. Here's where all the Liverpool players eight. It was all sectioned off. And then when Capello came in and he had his whole dictator phase of uh, in charge of England, that soured everyone's experience of uh, of being of playing for England. I I feel like England's got that back. And credit to Southgate one hell of a job he's actually made england one of the most pessimistic countries in europe believe in its believe in its soccer team again this team looks like a well-oiled machine which is not something you usually say about an england team usually you usually england is led by their stars they're led by beckham they're led by kane there hasn't really been a standout individual performer at this tournament you can say the midfield pivot of Rice and Phillips has been crucial. You can point to Sterling's goals that have been key, but everyone has been performing and everyone has showed up. There's a lot to be said about a team that just wants it more than you do. And I think that that is what this England team is. Wouldn't you agree, Victor, that this there, there seems to be this confidence within this England team and it's really a group mentality rather than anything else? Hundred uh, percent. This English team is more connected than ever, in my opinion. That's why you see that they want to fight for each other. They want to win the tackle, the fifty-fifty. No one, there isn't a standout player because everyone is literally fighting for the same cause. So everyone wants it as bad as the next person. So if you're not playing, if you're on the bench, if you're out of the squad, everyone's just happy. And I think that unity, and also the individual contributions from certain players of what has literally kept England in the tournament. And I think if they can keep it going, they have a really strong bond coming, not just for this tournament, also for the future. And it's looking really good for the English English uh, national team. This England squad is full, is full of people who were written off at some point in their career. Luke Shaw almost had his knee, uh, his leg amputated after that injury. And he's been incredible. John Stones as well would have one great season, one horrible season, one great season, one horrible season. Declan Rice was released from Chelsea for being having two side of a frame. Exactly. He's a hammer now um, for the time being. For now, for now, exactly. <laughs> not going anywhere. We're not okay. going to talk about this, but he's not going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> have fun with Moy season two. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Sterling as well at points in his career he's been written off this and Grealish as well Grealish in the championship was late was labeled as a head case and he's he is the heart and soul of this England team now even though he doesn't play much he uh, when he is when he's on the pitch everyone believes in him everyone loves him so having this underdog mentality going into a game against Italy an Italian team that has size in places, but also has guys like Lorenzo, Lorenzo Insigne out there lo- looking like he could drive the the small the small car that brings the ball to at start a uh, start. What a do game. you mean could? That is his car. They let him park in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, against this against this Italian squad, I'm kind of talking myself into it now. It's coming home. No, it's not. It's it's not it's Ritorna <laughs> Casa as my Dono, oh, as my Dono no. says. But, oh, Thirty years of hurt. Never <laughs> stop believing. <laughs> but let's turn our attention to Italy here because these are really just two squads that know who they are, and I think and I think more than anything that's helped pull both of these teams through the tournament. You know, and I, I don't say this to slag off it, England, but 
Italy have been the team that has been tested more often. You know, they played Belgium. They played Spain. Those are two, two, two of the best teams in the world. And this Italy team didn't get through the easiest against Spain, but it never looked under threat against Belgium. I think they're coming in as the favorites here. And I think a lot of the neutrals favorites too, because people love to cheer against England. But Victor, what do Italy need to do in this game to really, really take it by their horns, set the tempo and come out victorious here? All they have to do is to ride the pressure of playing in Wembley. If they let that get to their head, the fans cheering and all that is going to be, it's going to be horrible for them. But they have experienced players, and I think they're going to be fine because once they can you channel that mentality, because like we said, the Wembley crowd can go both ways. Once they can challenge it and use it to their favor as the underdogs to motivate themselves, irregardless of however they choose to play the game, either sitting back or dominating possession, either ways, if the mentality of the Italian team is strong the whole 90 minutes unwavering, irrespective of how many boos of Coming from the England crowd, I think they would they would be they would be fine. It's just beating the crowd. I think I think more more than more or less they are playing against the crowd, not the English players, in my opinion. If if that makes sense, more against the crowd than just the players on the field. It's the whole England. Another point I had with uh, with the with the Wembley crowd, having a manager like Southgate who never overlooks an opponent. He always does his research and he always, he never takes an opponent for granted going, oh, you know, it's just Denmark, we'll beat them. Never does that. So I think going into this final, because the amount of energy this Wembley crowd is going to have, first time seeing an English team in the final since 66, that is going to be insane mm. pressure this, this team's going to be under. But I trust Southgate to be able to calm his players' nerves. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think that the game will be a testy affair, a cagey affair, as most finals often are. But I think that brings us to the end here. Lastly, I just want to push you guys. Uh, when Italy win this Euro, who is going to be the player that puts their team, this team on their back, Victor? If Italy was to win... When Italy wins. If if Italy was to win. The when tournament. Italy wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it would have to be Chiesa. He's probably been the, the only one that seems to know where the back of the net is. So I think Chiesa might be the one grabbing the goal if Italy were to come out victorious. I want to I wanna say Jorginho. That's a, that's a good pick. I think in this game will be Di Lorenzo. There's a, there's a lot to come from him. He's been more of the defensive fullback in this, in this Euros, but I think that there's a lot, a lot to show. He's got a tough challenge coming up against um, either uh, Grealish, because I think that he, Sir Gareth will start, will start uh, Grealish on the weekend, or uh, Sterling, or one of the other thousands of, attacking promising forwards that England have. Um, but there's a lot to come from Di Lorenzo. Now, John, what you've been waiting for. When England win, who is the player that shows up for them and wins them this tournament? It's tough, but I have to say, I have to say Kane. And Victor, when England win, who are they building the statue to? Um, I'm going to be a little biased here. Sorry, in advance. I'm going to say it's going to be Money Mace, Mace Amount, grabbing the goal. I think it's in our blood, you know. I think, I think he's, 
he's a big game player and I know he didn't have the best of nights today and that was due to how Denmark played. People forget that Hoiberg and um, Delaney in the middle, those guys hustle. They they run around, they cover spaces quick, they shuffle. So as a 10, you literally have to move move around every single time to get the space. I mean, he wasn't his best today, but I'm confident that Mason Mount will step up in the final and he will be key for England. It's a good pick. That's a good pick. I'm going to cheat here and I'm going to say two players. You better not say an Italian player. I'm not going to say an Italian player. I, I wouldn't force you to say to say an Italian player and then and then not say an English player. Don't worry, John. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say Rice and Calvin Phillips will be the most important. I think that this game will be won and lost in the midfield. I think that it'll determine who has most of the ball uh, as, it, as it usually does, but it'll also determine who's setting the tempo. And I think whoever sets the tempo in this game is the team that wins it. I think that especially with the crowd being there at Wembley, that if England go out from the off and dominate the midfield, which allows them to dominate the rest of the ball, I think they win this win this easy because I don't think that Italian the Italians the Italian backline can deal with with the pace. But if Locatelli and Verratti and Jorginho and whoever else or Barella, whoever whoever Mancini chooses to play, win that midfield battle, that's that 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 is the battle that determines the game. That's the battle that determines the cup and. You know, I think that there's a strong case to be made that um, Rice and Calvin Phillips are some are one of the strongest pairings in the entire tournament. Um, as much as it pains me to say that, though it doesn't. I love Declan Rice. Um, you know, I love him too. Guy makes me smile. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that is my decision here, and I think that'll do it for us tonight. It was a good chat. There's a lot to look forward to and a big, big game on Sunday. Um, John, where can people find you? Your raving tweets and when you're drunk in a hole uh, after England win because you've gone to go party. <laughs> oh, when, I, when England win, you're not going to hear from me for two weeks. I'm just going to be <laughs> like somewhere. I have no idea where I'm going to be, but I'm going to be somewhere. Okay, um, take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John Townsend 99. That's J-O-H-N T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D 99. Talk about uh, soccer, soccer, basketball, football, any sports, really. Talk about anything. And Victor, where can people find you? Um, people can find me on Instagram at Vic Graham. That would be V-I-C-C-G-R-A-A-M. And you can find me at debarp14. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed it and if you've, and if you've gotten this far, I'm sure you have, please leave a five-star rating. It really helps new viewers or new listeners discover the podcast and help us grow and create more and better content for you guys. You can find at Mastermind Site on social media. And uh, have a good night, guys. Don't forget, it's coming home. Ooh.